there's a reason why 5% of the agents sell 95% of the homes, right? Yeah. It's like setting that expectation with your clients and just being knowledgeable about like what's going on in the market and keeping your finger on the pulse of the market is going to help your client at the end of the day. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today, I'm very excited to interview Calvin Pringles. Calvin's from Tampa, Florida. The We've met several times, uh, traveled around GoBundance events, things like that. And uh, he's also been a longtime listener to the podcast. We talk more online about podcasts than we even get to when we get to hang out in person. Uh, and I'm glad that Calvin gets to come on today. Calvin, how's it going? Everything's good, man. I'm blessed. The, so blessed. So I asked you right before we hit record, are you excited to be on here? And the and tell me tell me again when did you start listening to the Real Estate Rockstars podcast? So the first episode I ever listened to was five eighty five with Sean Kokoska talking about goal setting, and I had just gotten licensed that year in uh, September of twenty seventeen. So that's that was what what kicked it off for me. So you've been listening to the podcast since twenty seventeen. You had just got licensed. That's so crazy too. So you said episode five seventy five five eighty five were. Next week, we are launching episodes. I guess this will come out right after, right? But next week, I'm recording episode 1000 with Pat, right? So with, with Pat, the original founder, and we're getting to go through and say, hey, we're, we're at 1000 now. I'm going to talk to him about all sorts of different things. And, uh, and yeah, as listeners are hearing this now, if you have not yet, go back and listen to episode 1000 where I get to listen to, to Pat. And so much of it is we want to be talking about stories like yours, people that when they first got started... They didn't, you know, they had, they had mentors, they had coaches, but the, the podcast also became kind of their other source for coaching. So um, what month did you get licensed in 2017? September. Actually, yeah. my, it was September or August, I think. There's another guy that is actually has been on this podcast, Casey Mitchell. We were licensed the same exact day under the same mentor, everything. Um, both took the test three times and like I got done taking the test. I called him. He didn't pick up because he was still in his. He called me back like 30 minutes later, like, bro, I passed the test. And I was yeah. like, bro, I passed the test. And then we both called Chris and Nicole Dufala and we're like, yo, we're ready to go. We're ready to start slinging deals. Dude, I remember when Chris had just hired you guys and I had talked to him and I was like, how did you find guys like that that wanted to come help grow and build your team and be a part of it? And I said, what's the secret? And he was like, you know what? There is no secret. It was just kind of pretty lucky. I think I just met you guys too at like a, just like a one life event in Philadelphia. Did you go to that one? The, yeah, that was, sketchy. was that before, <laughs> was that before you guys got licensed or right around the same time? I want to say it was, it had to have been before because one life they were running their events in summer. So this was early fall that we had gotten licensed. So it, it would have been like right before we were at that time we were doing acquisitions for Chris. So he gave us a buy box essentially. And we went out, you know, feet on the street, calling probates and doing all that type of stuff, just trying to learn um, how to acquire deals for them. So let's talk about that. So the, how did you, how did you first get into real estate? 
it sounds like you started as kind of being a runner for an investor, right? So how did, how did you get into real estate and how did that transition to you being licensed? And then what was your first few months like as an agent? So I always tell people that I kind of got into real estate accidentally and I'm thankfully thankful that I did. I graduated from college in spring of 2017. So I walked across the stage, you know, whenever that time was and I had my degree and I was the first person in my family to come home with a degree. So I thought I was like big and mighty going to go get hired and, you know, just work this corporate America job, get you know everything paid for. And I wasn't able to get hired. So I applied for five or six places. And the best that I could do is a customer rep, customer representative position for pods, like corporate storage. And I was like, I'm not really trying to do that. So I went and did valet for a little bit. And while I was getting it figured out, um, I talked to my alma mater head coach and he got me connected with Chris said that, you know, Hey, there's this guy that is flipping 20 houses a year. Um, so I met with Chris and Chris ran me through these, like these tests almost, if you will. Right. He'd, he'd say, call me tomorrow at noon. So I called him right at noon, you know, cause I have attention to detail when it comes to time. Cause if you're late in football, I mean, you're doing 5 AM runs and stuff. So I was never really late to any of our appointments. And then, so basically he, he took me out with, um, with Kevin, Kevin was a go bonus guy as well. He's in Boise, Idaho. And he took me out with him one day, kind of just walked through a property on a couple of deals that they were doing. And from there I knew, um, how to flip a house essentially from, from the floor to the ceiling and, you know, replacing the roof and everything like that. And so I was able to put together contractor bids, um, for some of the properties that he was, he was putting together. Cool. So you, you weren't sure what industry you were going to be in. You were trying some different things. You'd gotten your degree and you know, tried some different businesses and they weren't quite working. And they said like you're working valet or anything else. You reached out to your coach, your old football coach and said, what should I do? So he just did an intro. And then, and I think, and that intro is usually like, Hey, this guy's Calvin. He's hungry. He wants to work. He's a good hard worker. And then (laughs) this is like, maybe, but like, I'm not going to, he was kind of, it sounds like his, and I've never heard this story. So it's like, it sounds like he was kind of like, well, I don't know if I believe you. So let me see. So then he ran you through these tests. And there was a lot of times when, uh, when I was trying to hire good team members, I think that's pretty, a, a pretty common way to hire people when the, um, the expectations or the job is pretty demanding. And it's not, not all jobs are like that, but at the beginning, um, there were a lot of times when, uh, I'd go to like, people had been applying for, to come work for me. But at the time I was living in one state and all of our work was in other States. And so, so much of our challenge was at different times, there would be an emergency and someone would have to fly to another state. So someone's final interview would always be a call where I would say, Hey, can you get to Texas tomorrow morning? Essentially, can you fly to Texas tomorrow morning uh, before auction? And people that would say, Oh yes. If I had a little bit more notice, if I could do this, or if I could work this out, I could, you know, next time for sure. And that would be their final interview and they wouldn't make the team. But the people that were That's like, awesome. yes, I'll fly to Texas tomorrow. I'll move this around. I'll be there uh, because that was, it was a fair way to test people out ahead of time. Like no, if, to succeed, they're going to have to be able to do this. I don't want to have unfair expectations. So it was like, if they flew out there, they got the job. So how long were you doing that before you got licensed as an agent? I want to say we did it for like eight months. Um, I was solo for... 30 to 60 days of it um, where Chris would kind of just like send me like leads, if you will, like, Hey, this might be a good one to look at. So I just go to the house and, you know, run an estimate and tell them like why it wouldn't work or why it would. Um, And then Kaysen got introduced to us through, um, I want to say it was Vicente and Gonzalo who are also involved with, you know, GoBundance and stuff. And um, when Kaysen and I got linked up, 
uh, we started Ivory Acquisitions, which is just an acquisitions company for Chris, right? And yeah. he could wholesale properties, do whatever he wanted with them. So we did that for eight months and Case and I split a, a flat fee. So we, we, we always tell people that we work for free for eight months, but technically, you know, we could, we could go out and get some, get some fast food once a month. Was it worth it? Yeah. What? Absolutely. Yeah. You're like Absolutely. working for free. Like so much, the best way to learn, right? Like the best way to learn is, is get to be willing to go work for free. Cause you learn the secret, you learn the magic, you know, so much of this podcast is we like, we give away everyone's secrets for free. Right. But when you're finding a mentor at the beginning, it's kind of hard. So, so it's being willing to, you know, provide value so that they're willing to essentially give you their trade. And it's like you help you help them grow their wealth for a while and then they will help you grow yours. I think is natural. Is he a broker or a team leader or what's your what's your real estate office like? Yeah. So he was a team leader when I joined. Uh, we were at KW in 2017. And then so he basically picked up the team and started a team urge. That's when he got his broker's license. They started lock and key realty. Um, they since have gone to EXP. And so he, he's just a broker of the organization, but um, I think he's just a team leader at EXP now. Okay. So how'd you get, so tell me about your first actual transaction as an agent. So you had been out there hustling, door knocking, finding deals, like you said, calling probates, buying houses on the investment side. How did that transfer and transition into becoming an agent? Dude, so I actually really struggled when I first got licensed. I was going through some stuff in my personal life where I was like not very motivated to do anything at all. So when I got licensed in early, you know, let's call it August. When I got licensed in August, um, I didn't sell my first deal until January of 2018. That was the first transaction I had. And I remember like after that deal closed, I went to my car and like damn near cried because I yeah. was like, this is finally like starting to pay off. I have a check in my hand where it's like, all this hard work is starting to pay off. So um, that was actually through an open house. Um, it was through a listing that we had through our brokerage and met the buyers there. They came through um, as like a sign call, like a Zillow lead or something like that. Um, I brought them and showed them the open house while I was there working it. And, you know, from there it was, you know, I guess they say the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that it's a really important story, right? You got licensed, you didn't went out there and did the work. You weren't super motivated at the time, or you had a lot of stuff going on, but you were doing some of the work and it took five months to get that first sale. We get, we get yeah. to interview all kinds on here and they're half the stories are similar to yours. It took five, six, 10 months, 12 months to get that first deal. And the rest is history. Other people are like, no, I got my license. And then my, my friend wanted me to list their house and it took a week and everybody's journey is different. But so you met them at, a, they, they were a phone lead for a property and you were like, Hey, yeah. I'm, all, I'm already hosting an open house there. Why don't you come by at one tomorrow when I'm there and I'll show you the property. And then they turned into, did you end up selling them that house or a different one? No, it was just that house. I just showed them that house. They, they should be met and, you know, walked them through a whole buyer consultation and they ended up submitting an offer, getting under contract. We were able to work out a deal. So I was a technically a transaction broker on the deal since it was our team's listing. But yeah, they closed in 30 days. Everything was smooth with us. If you had not brought the buyer on, so it was your team's listing, but if you had not brought the buyer, would you have gotten paid on that listing at all? No. How many open houses do you think you had done before that one? Man, so our, our team structure was very buyer-based. So I did as many open houses as possible and picked up the phone for as many online leads as possible during that first year, two years that I could because that was how I got paid. 
Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. So you find, because I mean, it's a great story. Somebody walked in, somebody called, they walked into the open house, they bought the house, right? Like that mm -hmm. is the ultimate, that's the ultimate dream. And that is when people first, God, when we got into real estate, that was the idea. Like, so you're doing an open house and, and the whole plan at the beginning was sell them that house. Like, how can I right. get that person to buy this house? And if they weren't interested, they weren't captured the right way. There wasn't a whole lot that where's back then nobody was monetizing it as well as they should have been. And, but it's just, I think it goes to that story of you were doing a bunch of open houses, a bunch of calls. Like that's the, that's the one hit wonder. That's the person that walks in and buys the house and you got to do the presentation, but took a lot of practice and a lot of open houses to get that. So if you're one of those people that your first open house, when my brother was, was uh, working for us out in California, his very first open house, somebody walked in and they became the buyer. And my wife was the listing agent. My brother got to be the buyer's agent. It was crazy. Like his very first open house he ever did, but it put it, but it made it tough for a while after that, because then his, the expectation of open houses was like, Hey, they're going to, they're going to pay the bills every time. And it is definitely not like that. So how do you get, um, so let's talk about 2021 We're we're in November. How many deals have you done this year? So pending and closed, I've got 22 units pending and closed at about 6.3. Okay. And the, and so what, and what did you do in 2020? Do you know? 2020, it was like, it's crazy. Cause so I spent half the year on a team and then made the transition in July and did the exact same. <laughs> so it was like 22, 23 units closed, um, about 6.2. Now I do have some more stuff in the pipeline. So I'm hoping to close out 2021 with about 7 million and 24, 25 units. Um, and I'm on track to do that as a realistic goal. But yeah, that's where I'm at right now. What's the average list price out there? 325, I want to say is the average sales price. All right. So the so your business is solid right now. You're going to do, you know, 22 to 30 per year. You've been growing, you've gone, you've done team models, you've done individual models. How are you doing mostly listings or mostly buyer agent right now? Uh mostly buyers. So of the 22, I've had eight listings and about 50% of my business actually comes from my sphere. So, um 
you know, 20, I don't think that 22 units is ever a goal for someone that's, you know, third in their third year, fourth year as a real estate agent. So I'm making a transition now where I'm starting to pour uh, more investing into like my, my brand and like rebranding and then putting out social media content and, and paying for that type of stuff. So that way I can expand my business and scale. So you said more than half of it comes from your sphere. How do you, how do you monetize your sphere, your sphere? Like, so your sphere of influence, the people, you know, the people you see, what are, is it, is it social media? Are you making sure everybody knows? Like, how do most of those actually come to you? Especially for, for, cause we talk about it a lot. Like, Hey, you got to get it from your sphere of influence, your sphere of influence. But if you were going to give somebody a crash course, that's new in real estate, how to, you know, get deals, get listings or become a buyer's agent for a sphere of influence. How do you do it? I think there's a couple of ways to go about it. When I first got into real estate, I think the KW method is like write down the first 50 people that you know, call them and tell them that you're in real estate. Yep. For me, that was super uncomfortable. So like I did it, but it was like pulling out teeth and I had to like, you know, sit down late on a Friday night, have a beer and then make those calls. Right. Yeah. So um, that was super painful for me, but they say um, there's an analogy about marketing. And it's like, it's like playing basketball um, and then putting out the content is kind of like playing defense, but um, actually going out and reaching out to these people is more like playing offense, like you're trying to score. So social media has been the number one driver for me and just staying top of mind for people. Um, if they ever have a question, I can kind of sense like when I'm able to go for the close, like when they're ready. Right. But other than that, um, just playing defense by putting out content. Um, I think it's super helpful. Um, like you, David Green and Ken McElroy are the three drivers for all the information that I put out. And I regurgitate to my clients in all of my sphere. That's awesome. No, I love, I love getting to, I love getting to see you reshare so many of the new, the new stuff that we do and the discussions that it creates because as informed agents, so many of our state of the market podcasts are really to help inform agents and form listeners. So that way, when we're out there talking to clients, right, we know what's going on and we have a different twist on it. And the conversations and the discussions that end up happening on social media, when we're posting something that says, Hey, Zillow is no longer going to be you know, they're not going to do any, any buying for the rest of the year. We're like, Whoa, that's big news. What does that mean? And then it was like, yeah. Hey, uh, then business insider just broke a story a week ago. It said, Hey, Zillow is taking a loss on 94% of the houses that they bought. They're going to take a $500 million loss uh, on selling these houses. And that was like a story broke that Zillow did not want to put out there. And then yeah. just a few they days lied about that, it at first. Right. They lied about it. So then Business Insider <laughs> broke the story. I know one of the people that helped break the story because she's interviewed me a couple of times. And then Zillow was like, okay, we're going to be honest. We're actually closing down and firing everybody. There are so many pieces of news that could come out of that. Like, does that mean that the Zestimates aren't right? Does that mean that it's harder to just buy direct than they thought? Does that mean they don't believe the market's going up? Because part of me is like, hey, the market has gone up more than 10% over the last six months. If you're about to take a $500 million loss, just wait six months because yeah. their cost of money is only 3%. Like wait six months and then you won't take a loss. So something, there's a lot of stuff going on there in the news, but it's fun when we get to talk about it because then when somebody's asking you, hey, Calvin, what's this mean? Does this mean does Zillow think that the market's going to crash now? You're like, no, not necessarily. This is what, this is what it can mean. This is what it, this is what it does. So are you still, do you do a lot of investing too right now? Yeah, so I'm more so like passively doing it. There's a couple of um, avenues that I dabble in um, as far as like trying to get people set up with iBuyers. And then if not with iBuyers, like, the, so let me just take a step back. The good thing about being licensed and being able to invest and like having the knowledge behind investing is you can go either way, right? Chris would always mention like, it depends on the hat that I have on that day. 
So if I walk into someone's house and, you know, there's a waterfall coming through the roof, I can have a solution to them that may not involve, you know, having to take pictures and getting it listed on the MLS. Rather have them set up with a cash offer, wrap the mortgage, you know, do owner financing or something like that. So I try to always wear different hats. I will, we've wholesaled about three deals this year so far. Um, this is outside of like the retail business. And just in the past, I have been like a financial partner on flips. So very passively, um, just primarily because I'm focused on like building up a retail business. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Bob. You know, on an interview last week with Agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on his massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. So back to when you're talking about sphere. So the, the right now you're like, Hey, I'm going to put a bunch of content out. And then when people ask questions, I'm going to make sure to answer them right away. And if I, and you said, and if you feel like they're ready to actually, like you get a sense like, Hey, this person actually wants to buy a house or this person actually wants to sell. How do you take that? When you see that moment, what do you say next? If you're like, Hey, I think this person is actually a buyer right now. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to make sure that they have me represent them instead of somebody else. Like what's your next text or seller on either side? Like once you're like, this person's a hot lead, when do you go from providing info to making the sale? Yeah. So I'm kind of laughing about this because this is something that I had to count like a coming to Jesus moment with as of recently and what ends up happening. And this is just social media, right? People reach out, reach out. They ask you question after question after question, and they build up their whole, like, like their motivation to buying, right? So they get to the point where they're ready to buy and then they don't hit you up and they hit up another agent, you know, whether it be like, you know, accidental or on purpose, or that wasn't their intention the whole time. 
right? So what I've done now is like, hey, you can ask me questions as much as you want, but I actually have direct access to my calendar and you can schedule a call with me for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what you want. And it's just through Calendly, which is a third party booking site, right? Yep. So they go on Calendly and they have an option to book an initial consultation with me. But after that, I'm taking the Don Winner approach and you've got to pay for your, bond, your buyer consultation up front. And it's just the transaction fee, right? But then it commits those people to working with me. Have you been doing that approach for a long time or is it after here in Don Winter? Just started. It just started like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, I thought Don's aggressive sales technique also makes a whole lot of sense, right? There are a lot of people that were like, wow. And, but it is, it is the real deal. The, you don't want to waste time on people that aren't serious. And so, um, so I like that. You're like, Hey, I do these, uh, I do these buyer consultations, like, like, Hey, here's the questions. If you have more serious questions, book a Calendly with me. And then now, if you guys didn't listen to Don's podcast recently, you know, when he first started as the agent and now all of his, you know, he has giant real estate company, giant teams. That's all they do. But when somebody's like, when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I would like you to go show me this house or, Hey, because essentially that's how it really starts. Like the first outreach is there's this house on the market. Can you go show it to me? Right. Or, or it could be, hey, I'm interested in buying houses. Can you send me these houses? So then at that moment, Don would say, cool, no problem. Here's what it's going to be. You're going to write me a check for 500 bucks uh, or whatever it is, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. But a, a fee that says, I'm going to pay you to help me buy the house. But you get to say, but don't worry. The seller's actually going to pay for this. When we actually go buy the house, I'm going to get paid a commission and then I'm going to pay you your 500 bucks back. So it's not really a cost out. So you get to say, it's not really going to cost you anything unless you're not serious or unless you use my info and go have somebody else do it. When my dad was a home builder, it would always break his heart when he would pour in. people would be like, Oh, how should I build? He'd go help them design their house, show them where the views were going to be, you know, go through everything. But he was the most expensive builder because he was this high end custom. And then they would take all of his ideas and then hire somebody else for less yeah. to do it. And it was heartbreaking for him. And he stood, so then he did start charge like later in life, he started like charging for estimates and charging for proposals. And I remember telling him like, I think this is crazy. And then he was explaining that same concept to me when you first did the, K the KW method. So mm -hmm. you're like, take the top 50 on your list, call them and tell them you're in real estate and you'd have to drink a beer because it's super uncomfortable. Did that lead to anything in your first couple of years of real estate? Did it lead to any revenue? Not that I can like initially say, I, I think with those types of activities and reaching out to your sphere, you're just kind of like top of mind for them. So, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months, they're going to think of you and they're going to refer you business. So I think that's what did prepare, propel my business to be like 50% on my sphere. But it like, for me to work directly with the person that I called, it's like very rare. It's like, yeah, I'm ready to buy a house today. You know, it's, it's like some, hosting an open house and selling the open house. You know, it's so would, very rare, but it happens. So would you still recommend it? You tell people, hey, if you're just getting started, like call the top 50 on your sphere and tell them you're in real estate. Ask them if they have anyone to refer. So a lot of like my, my headspace around this was like, I feel like for, for older folks, like a, a call is more convenient. But if I call someone, they're going to hang up on me and text me and be like, why are you calling me? You know, yeah. so like, I feel like millennials don't want to get a call. They'd probably honestly re rather receive a FaceTime. So I would say either FaceTime or text will probably be easier. Um, or you can just text and be like, yo, you know, I miss you, bro. Let's get together for coffee next week. And then you can talk about your real estate goals or how you can help them or whatever it may be. Do you use any software, any tools to help texting or for automation or things like that? No, it's just all of my, all of my phone and my contacts book. Yeah. 
and then Instagram DM too. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I wish there was a way. I need a I need a new CRM that can tie all that together. That can tie together my texting, my social. And I know there's some out there on like the business level, but I almost need it on a on a personal level. Like, how can I message with everybody? Plus, like, I go to these big events and I meet these people that are you know titans of their own industries, and we exchange numbers and exchange you know social media stuff. And it's like we need that. I need that whole CRM to be able to follow up with them. Be like, oh, remember that yeah. guy that I hung out with at, at, at that event last at that UFC event last month? Like, I should reach out and just see what he's up to. It's the same thing. It's a different, different business, but the same thing of like staying top of mind, seeing how people are doing, and and there all was that. one that I heard of. But I honestly forget the name of it. I forget what it was. I've been on. I've been on the hunt for one that can do. There's there's some that there's a few that do in you know pretty close to that. But I was just curious what you were since you're doing so much to, you know texting. There's lots of different uh, CRMs out there that people have used. So you've represented buyers a lot during the last couple of years. The, mm-hmm. what is a trick that you use to get your offer accepted or what is something you can do to go above and beyond to get your offer accepted? Shoot. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing the right stuff. I had a, this, this past summer, I've, I've had um, this couple I was working with and I'm super thankful to have worked with them because it, it's super fulfilling when you get to work harder for someone, in my opinion. But some of the things that we've been doing is putting our inspection period within the escrow period. Um, you know, the, the listing agent kind of has to be savvy to catch that, right? So, like, if you don't deposit escrow, we're just going to inspect the property anyway. So, that's one thing. There's actually some verbiage that you can put into the contract in the notes that says, like, you know, we'll, we'll raise the purchase price not to exceed the appraisal price and then guarantee, like, 10 to 20K over. So I just asked my client like what their their comfort price is and how much money they have to put down in addition to whatever they're required to put down. Or like if it's like they have a 5% loan, but they can put 10% down. Well, maybe they want to put 10% down this time. Um, so inspections, um, waiving appraisals, and then just talking to my clients and seeing what they're comfortable with as far as uh, the amount that they want to put down. When you do that, do you, do you, I know you put it in the contract, but do you also say in an email or a phone call, like, Hey, we did these things to go above and beyond. Like, how do you let the listing agent know? Yeah. So I try to give the, a call to the listing agent as soon as I leave the property and just try to build as much rapport as possible. So I, you know, call them and say, yo, this is a, this is a great property. My clients really love it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of interest in this. You know, we would just want to know what, what it's going to take for us to get this property within reason, of course. Right. You don't want to pay a million dollars for a $300,000 home, but Within reason, what can we do to, to, to put the seller in the best position possible? Maybe talk to them about the a proposed closing date or lease back or something like that. Um, and then also just convey that message to the buyers and see if they're, they're willing to um, accept those terms. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big rent ready mystery can be revealed. Rent ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from RentReady to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with RentReady's newest partner, REI Hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with Rent Ready, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your Rent Ready profile. 
You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolios, balance sheets, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using Rent Ready, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your Rent Ready subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using Rent Ready, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's Rent Ready with an I at the end. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. Yeah, it's a much, uh, the market's slowing down here a little bit, which means it's just not, not everything is flying off the shelves, no matter what. Six months ago, there's, good houses are still getting lots of offer quick, but six months ago, like the crappiest houses for the crappiest prices were getting multiple offers. And we yep. get inspections that were like, you need to replace the roof, replace the siding. And we would say, no, we've got 10 backup offers. And they'd be like, fine, we'll replace, we'll, we'll do it ourselves before closing. Now it's a little different, but I have a, I've got a listing that we put on the market on Thursday and the, we got four offers on it. And it was funny as they were coming in because they're all competing against each other, but I think it's a little slower market. So they weren't sure how many offers were going to be coming in. And the first one is, you know, comes in as 390,000 cash, but it's contingent on selling the other house. The next one was 385 conventional. Then I had a 370 BA and a 400 FHA, right? So the, and they're all kind of ranging and so in just the last couple of days, you know, the, the, the low price, the 370 VA reached out and said, Hey, are there any response to my offer? I'm like, sorry, we have multiple offers, but yours was one of the lower ones. So um, sorry to have wasted your time. We're not going to counter and good luck. Right. And then mm-hmm. they reply back with, okay, well, we just increased our offer to 410,000. And <laughs> And then as we're looking through different, and then we look at the, the the 390 cash, which is great. But then when it's contingent, we're having to look at their listing that they put on the market contingent and they have it $50,000 overpriced. And we're like, oh, your, your contingent house is never going to sell. So although the 390 cash offer looked good, it's realizing that that one's not actually real. But I was, it was just thinking as these agents, we're having a tough time picking which offer, right? We're having to work really hard on the listing side to say what offer is the best. And I wish that these agents were listening to the podcast and or like putting that whatever their best foot forward is in that extra communication to be because somebody going from 370 to 410 or 415, it's like, oh, we were offering 370, but since you have multiple offers, we'll go ahead and pay 410 or 415. It's like, man, what a what a mistake as and I get it. I get now that the market's a little slower. People are like, well, I don't think we have to offer asking anymore because it's and then after they're like, oh, crap, like. Bring your best offer at the beginning. You bring that 410 offer at the beginning instead of the starting with the 370. If that because it, I mean because they're approved for it, it's just it's a silly example um, of people that are like, oh, well, well, we'll just we'll up it by 40 grand then. If you actually have other offers, we'll up our price. It's like, man, why didn't you make it like easy? When, when when was the last time an agent was able to get their client a deal like that, like 30k under list price? Like even since I've been in the industry, it hasn't been something that has been like. Like maybe one of every 20 deals you do, you know, you'll get a, a crazy steal like that. But, you know, with that being said, there's a reason why 5% of the agents sell 95% of the homes, right? Yeah. It's like setting that expectation with your clients and just being knowledgeable about like what's going on in the market and keeping your finger on the pulse of the market is going to help your client at the end of the day. Yeah. 
I mean, keep it, it's a unique listing. So I'm sure part of them were like, who knows what it will actually sell for, right? It's unique in the sense that it's got, it's got big acreage and, you know, there's only, you know, 10 or 20 houses around there with that acreage. But at the same time, like no call, no phone call, no interaction at all, just sending the offer for 370. And then it's like, sorry, we're not going to accept. And they're like, okay, we'll offer 410 now. And it's just like, whoa, like that was a, an agent, not, you know, and if you're listening, I'm not mentioning any names right now in case they are listening. <laughs> Uh, but they'll realize when they see the counters that it's it's one of my houses. But yeah, putting uh, I, I like that. And then and then the same thing, the extra communication to say like, here's how we're writing a strong offer. And even if you are the only offer, I think when you set the right expectations with your client ahead of time, it's like mm-hmm. maybe so they wrote the 370 expecting that they were the only offer. But really, if they were ever willing to pay 410, the communication with with the buyers should be, hey, let's write the best offer we can. And submit it if this is the one that you want, because we don't, it might be us against four people or it might be just us, but we might not get a second chance because there was just as good of a chance with them that I would have already accepted the other offer and said, look, you were 30 grand off. I didn't even, you know, reply. So I don't, you know, next, next time I talk to you, I'll be able to tell you which, which offer we went into into contract with and how they, how they turned out. But it's when you got four. Well, luckily, luckily in this market, you can call like two and three different highest and best, right? I mean, I try not to do it myself because it's just not good. You know, it looks bad, but I mean, technically you could do that and people will still be interested. It's very common right now. It's very, I mean, that was almost the reverse. Like, so instead of doing highest and best, I told the guy, sorry, your offer's too low. I'm going to accept another one today, right? (laughs) And then they brought their highest and best. So I didn't even have to say like, please increase your offer. It was just like, sorry, you're not even in the ballpark. I'm not going to call you back. And <laughs> so the, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. What do you predict is going to happen with the market over the next six months? I can only, you know, say what you, David, and, and Ken say. You know, I don't see prices dropping. Um, I see interest rates increasing and maybe it leveling at a very worst. But, you know, especially speaking for our micro market here in Tampa, like, I don't know if it's like the, the Champa Bay thing, right, with all these, you know, championships that the city is bringing in. But people are still moving here by the boatload, and I don't anticipate prices dropping at all, at least you know, up until November 3rd of 2022, I don't think that prices are going to drop. I think that we'll continue to appreciate, maybe at a slower pace. Um, interest rates will surely be higher. Um, you know, the Fed has already talked about that, but as far as prices and demand and everything, I think it's going to remain pretty stagnant, or increase rather. I'm so proud as I just get to hear about all the stuff that we've been talking about and your, your, your way that you're able to, to summarize it. And uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with the stuff that you're saying, uh, obviously. And uh, it's, it's, it's cool to see that. What's the out in Tampa right now? Like Florida is one of the states that is doing, that doesn't have the same issues that all the other states have right now, at least what I see on the news. So does is there hiring signs everywhere out there or all the Starbucks saying they're hiring or all the, the fast food places saying they're hiring? I went to a, uh, there's a Starbucks next to where my, my daughters go to acting class and they always like, Hey dad, take me there to get a, to get something. And I go, they haven't opened the inside of their Starbucks in since COVID hit, they've no only way. been doing drive through There's like two workers, but the drive-through line is literally like a 45 minute line right now. There's 25 cars in line and they don't open the inside because they don't have enough people to handle it. And I'm like, man, if you've got 25 cars in line, you should just be like doubling your prices. Like just say like, Hey, it's an extra $10 fee to use our drive-through or something 
to like, because the demand is so much higher than the supply. They've only got two people that can work there. And people, I cannot believe the line. I took a picture of the other day. I was like, this is nutty. I think about housing supply and demand the same right now is there's still a lot of demand in a lot of places, but specifically to place. Have you noticed out there in Tampa, are restaurants full? Are they open? Are they understaffed? Are they overstaffed? Are they fighting with some of the same things I've been posting about lately? Yeah. Everybody's saying, you know, from the, from the get go that Florida has been the wild, wild west. So, you know, it's basically just been open and we just been kind of doing our own thing. Now we'll say it depends on a specific city that you're in, like St. Petersburg, tends to lean more like you know liberal so they had a lot of places that were closed down or had like standing only you know um or standing only room and then you know you see that with a lot of the places like miami has their own rules and restrictions and then um places like starbucks and trader joe's and places like that they held a lot of their restrictions for a long time regardless of what DeSantis was saying uh for the state but for the most part i mean we're just fully staffed and rocking and rolling. Um, some restaurants you'll see a little bit of a delay with, with servers not um, working, but for the most part, you know, we're, we're back in action. How many deals are you going to try to do next year? So my goal literally for the past three years has been 50 deals. So 50 units and just been trying to accomplish that. So probably the same next year, to be honest with you, um, be a little bit more intentional on um, investing back into myself and building up separate pillars. So like, investing in online leads, investing self-marketing and self, um, investing into just getting more listings to, to gain and scale to that. So I, I still have not figured out the recipe for getting 50 deals a year, but it's going to keep being my goal until I accomplish it. Yeah. So the hitting that 50, and we, I mean, we know from so many people hitting 50 deals a year with you've got the success. I think like, you know how to do deals, right? You've got clients, you're able to get stuff. So now it's about building on that success and how do you take the listings you already get and turn it into more money or how do you take the buyers mm -hmm. you already get and turn it into more money? Do you do a lot of outreach to past clients? More passively. I'll say that's one of the things that I'm bad about. So I'm, I'm super good post-closing, like a week after closing, I'm calling them and saying, Hey, you know, just making sure that you guys still like your house. Right. And then three weeks later, intentional about calling them and saying, Hey, you know, just making sure that no ghosts have popped up within the last three weeks, everything's good on you guys then. Right. Then a month and then three months. And then from there, it kind of tailors off. And then they're just getting a CMA from me once a month on their house. So I, I don't believe in pop buys. I think it's kind of tacky, to be honest with you. Um, but I do need to find a, a way to, to get back and um, just retain that relationship with some of the clients that I have in the past. I've been amazed at a lot of the guys I've been talking to on the podcast lately that have, have some very strategic follow-ups with those past clients and how it turned into so much, right? Because they're like, mm -hmm. Hey, I was going to sell my house on open door, but you reached out. So is this a real? And then they deal with that guy instead. I think the one, it's one of those things that we've talked about technology can't beat out. So taking, and as an agent and as, as an investor on our investment properties, the, we never did enough follow-up on the people that, you know, essentially bought our house to begin with. And later we'd find out they used somebody else to sell it. And we were always like, whoa, why did they, we were their buyer's agent. Why would they use someone else to sell it? And they were like, oh, we just thought you were too busy. We thought you were doing something else. So the, so figuring out, uh, I think part of the keys of you hitting that 50 is, is making sure you don't lose any of those previous customers you've had, right? If they buy or sell a house, they gotta be, they gotta go to you and, and figuring out whatever the formula is to make sure they don't go to anybody else uh, in that. And then have you figured out what, uh, what online lead source you're going to be trying the most or which ones you're most excited about? So earlier this year, I was invested in realtor.com 
just because mm-hmm. Zillow's doing weird stuff, right? Um, yeah. I was invested in Realtor.com and have gotten away from that just because, like, it was an absolute feeding frenzy here in Florida during the summer. And so I just didn't see like it making any sense for me to continue to purchase buyer leads where I have to, you know, write 20 offers for them. Whereas I can focus on a different pillar of my business. So I may revisit that. Um, depends if they're talking crazy or not, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people lately have been talking about home light, which is a, uh, it's, I'd be curious to hear, you know, your experience in the next couple of months, like which sources you've tried and which one started to work because there's the, the Zillow model or the realtor.com model where essentially you pay for a lead. And if you close the lead, you get it all. And if you don't close the lead, it's worth nothing. And there there's yeah. pros and cons to that model. Um, they're usually pretty good leads. And then there's the, the home light model or the, um, the op city model, which realtor.com bought op city. So I'm not sure if it's still marketed as op city or not where it's, they bring you a lead and you only pay for the lead if you close a deal with them, but you give them a third of the commission or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like a much more expensive lead source, you know, and the, you know, the one guy that the, I shouldn't introduce you to, cause I would love to see how we could have you talk to some other people on the podcast individually, get some coaching where you hit that 50 a year next year, and then you get to come back on and talk about it. But there's our guy out of, out of Nevada that the, what is it? Kirby is it's a, that his name? Kirby Schofield, maybe. Maybe the. So it's uh, funny you bring that up because I was a little hesitant to bring it up on this podcast because I I think I might be looking for a coach, but I don't want to be flooded with like, hey, let me. Yeah, you don't want everyone to reach out. I'm going to introduce you to, to it's, it's Kirby. There's a Kirby. So he uses a lot of paid lead systems. So the if you're wanting to really look at paid lead systems for how to how to grow next. I think he, he would be a great resource of a guy to talk to. So I'm going to do an intro to you on there so we can do an extra story. I think what you've done so far in your real estate career is awesome. And I think the idea of kind of getting tested and work your way through as an investor and getting into real estate and then sharing that knowledge, like uh, it sounds like you're like, no, you've been, you've been working hard, you've been following up and you've been successful you know, as an agent, as you're really building it out. Um, any last things of advice you want to give out there for for agents? Um, how can people get a hold of you if they've got questions? If they've got buyers looking at Tampa, um, what what are your any final thoughts, man? Yeah, so you can get me on Instagram. My my tag is curated by Calvin. I'm gonna be releasing like a curated properties group. That's gonna be the the new brand. So cool. you guys get a sneak peek. Um, open for script practicing or, you know, just collab. And I've got a board of advisors, like my guy, Julian Colbert does. He's been on the podcast as well. And I was actually introduced to him through the podcast, talk to him daily. Um, oh, cool. he's on my board of advisors, uh, for real estate. And then I guess last and last and finally, you know, thank you to all the guys at go abundance that, you know, allow guys like me to pick your brain and like my complete trajectory of my life changed when I met Chris and he's been an avenue for me to meet other go bros. And that has literally changed my life. Just being able to talk to you guys. So thanks to you guys. That's awesome, man. I love the, uh, you know, and the, the highlight of the addition that I want to add on to that at the beginning, if you guys heard. So Chris was Calvin's first mentor in real estate and investing. And you just said your life completely changed when you met Chris and got to start working with Chris. And you also said during the podcast, you pretty much worked for him for free. You guys were hustling and you were working, but you were willing to like split these commissions and and fees and stuff like that to where you were like barely surviving. But the reason was so you could get in his world and learn some of his techniques. So the, if you guys are out there struggling, if you're trying to figure out what's next, there's a lot of new, there's, I had a few people reach out this week that was like, I was thinking about getting my license and I've been listening to your podcast, right? Like, so if you are one of those, 
listen to Calvin's technique of a way to jumpstart, right? Finding that mentor, being willing to work for that mentor, even if at the beginning, it feels like it's not changing your life financially, because Calvin said his world got, his life got changed when he found the right mentor, even though he proceeded to work for free for like the next six to nine uh, to 12 months It ended up really working out. So Calvin, thanks for getting on the show. The It's been fun getting to talk to you. Thanks for the kind words at the end and for being such an advocate of the podcast and of the story. I can't wait to continue to talk to you some more. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Real estate awesome, rock stars. Man. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.